morning. It's been a blessing to worship with you. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, that's where we'll be this morning as we uh, get ready to wrap up this series. <clears throat> James chapter 5. Well, we are, like I just said, we're approaching the end of our series called Real. And as I was thinking about that this morning, um, you know, I'm kind of sad about that for a couple of reasons. One is uh, uh, I've just enjoyed going through this study of James. I appreciate the feedback that, uh, uh, that I have had uh, from, from each of you and, and how it has been helpful in, in your lives, and it's been helpful to mine as well. And, you know, today is, uh, you know, there's another week of this, but uh, today is my last message in the series as I'm getting ready to leave in, you know, just like a few minutes to go to Nashville. Uh, and I'll be gone, you know, for a week up there doing school. Um, and so, you know, that's one reason why I'm, you know, sad about this, because my part of it ends in just a few minutes, which is maybe why I'm stalling now. I don't know. Uh, but the other part is I'm going to miss hearing Tim next week. Uh, and, I, you know, I really love listening to Tim, but I don't think I've ever got to do it live. Have I ever heard you? Well, one time I've heard him live. It was memorable, yes, it was memorable, <laughs> yeah, much like my sermons, very memorable. Uh, oh, man, they've got a, you know, some sunglasses up here today. Um, but next week, Tim is going to be landing the plane on this series as he talks about real concern. Now then, let me remind you of what Jeffrey challenged us with last week. We expect you to be here on Sundays. So be here. Just because I'm not here doesn't mean you get to skip. Only I get to skip. Got it? Does that make sense? Does that seem fair? <laughs> that seems fair? Seems fair to me. Yeah, be here to support Tim. It's going to be good. The message is real concern. Uh, as he looks at, and, and I'm really, you know, I, I made it really easy for him. He's only got two verses to work with. So, you know, tons of material. But it's really good stuff, and I'm really excited about what he is going to be sharing uh, sharing with you next Sunday as we, uh, as we wrap up this series. Well, as we have done, we've, we have had a, a claim that we have made every week of this series. And we'll do it two more times today, and then once or twice, Tim will take you through it once or twice next week. So you know what the drill is by now, so say it nice and loud. As followers of Christ, we must be real. One more time. As of Christ, we must be real, right? That's our goal, to be real. Every single week we have made that declaration because this is what we're working for. That's exactly what Kendall was just talking about uh, before he took us into, Lord, I need you. That when we pray, we have to go before God. We have to be real in our prayers. We have to pray faithfully, trusting in God. But it's not only there that we have to be real. It's in our words. It's in our actions. You know, it's in our, our faith, in our wisdom. We have to trust God in how we deal with people. We have to trust that God is going to give us what we need 
to interact with people the way that God wants us to, right? Okay, and as we interact, we want to live such lives that when people talk about us or mention us or, or think about us, especially when it comes to our faith and what we believe, they can say, you know what, that person is genuine. That person is authentic. They, they actually do what they say they believe. They're not hypocrites. They are real. And that's been the goal of this, this whole series, for us to think in those terms, that as we operate day in and day out, as we interact with people, <clears throat> that it will be our goal in everything that we do to be, to be real. And so today, we're talking about real prayer. You know, I have, um, <clears throat> I've had some great things that have happened in my life. Some real, I mean, just truly great things. I remember back to, you know, to the day that I got married. Uh, Bethany and I have been married, you know, a little over 17 years. And I still remember, you know, I'm standing up there at, at the front, and I remember the doors in the back opening up, and, you know, there was my bride, Mia Moore. There she was, standing in, a, in her white wedding gown. And I watched her walk down the aisle, you know, and I took her hand, you know, as her as, as her dad entrusted her to me uh, and I, I remember just standing there and and saying those vows to one another just an incredible day such joy and happiness uh, on on that day or I think about the day that Jackson was born after going through seven and a half years of of infertility seven and a half years of inappropriate questions and inappropriate suggestions and doctor's visits and procedures and all of these different things all this time and effort and prayer and sorrow and all of that stuff and then to finally get that phone call on a march day from our specialist saying bethany's pregnant and that you know you're going to be parents you know it was just it was one of the the most joyful moments if not the most joyful moment of our life the day we got that call and then of course he was born and it it, uh, it, it became a reality. And then, you know, we thought we'd go through the same thing with Miles. We thought we were going to have to go through these specialists again. And then all of a sudden, Miles is, is born. He showed up like, hey, I'm here. Like, you know, and if you know anything about Miles, you know that's exactly right. You know, I mean, Miles is here and he's going to be noticed. You know, but I love that kid. I love his personality. I love his, his energy. Sometimes it makes me want to pull my hair out. But, you know, when I think of Miles, uh, you know, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just overjoyed by that. You know, that was a, a, such a, a happy time. I think about my, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you, know, you try to tell yourself you're not getting older. But inevitably, it does happen. Um, so you think back over time, you know, I, I think back over my career, uh, and I'm in my 23rd year of ministry which does not make sense to me I'm not sure how that happened but 23 years I've been doing this job of, of ministry and as I think back over all those 23 years and a lot of people and several different churches I look at the last eight years 
of, of time here at Cornerstone, and those are some of the sweetest ministry times that I can think of. And we have experienced some incredibly powerful things. We've seen some touching moments and some moving moments, and I have loved the places that I have been, but as I said recently in a, in a post, I mean, Cornerstone, I mean, you, you have my heart. You know, we've had such good times and, and, and sweet times here. But you know, I've, I've also had some downs in my life. In 1999, I've spoke of this before, in 1999, my dad was in a terrible motorcycle accident. Almost took his life, he was in a coma for, for more than a week, and um, it, it changed the landscape of our family forevermore, forevermore. My dad, you know, he has permanent brain damage, he's not able to, to work, those kinds of things that brought personality change and those kinds of things. But it, it changed our family. That was a very tough time as we were dealing with that, as we were not knowing if he would survive. And then as we were helping him to, as, as one, of my, uh, one of Bethany's relatives said, it's like uh, a library where all the books have been knocked off the shelves and you've got to put them back. You know, and I thought that was a perfect description of, of what it was we were, we were going through. Um, the unimaginable deaths of, of both of my brothers. You know, some dark times. And as I, as I talk about those things, or as people mention them, or bring them up, or ask me a question about them, that's the word that I hear more than anything. They'll say, I can't, in fact, somebody said it to me this week, I can't imagine, you know, what it's like to, to go through that and to, to experience something like that. You know, I've known the feeling of, of thinking that my prayers to God were not being answered. Or maybe even being uh, ignored. You know, I, I've known what it is to have doubts in my life and doubts in my faith. I've known what, what pain and, and, and loneliness is. You know, I've been the, the target of, of, of very unfair and critical attacks at times on my character for the, you know, the good of the church. Um, I, know what it li- I know what it is like to have failures in my faith. And I imagine that you can relate to at least some of those things. That you can relate to, to things like that, both, both good and bad, because as you look back on your lives, you've got some great things in your lives as well, do you not? As you think back to things like we just talked about, as you're you, maybe it's your, it's your wedding day and you remember that day when you, you said your, your vows. Or you remember that day when, when you found out that, that you were going to become a parent for the first time or the second time or third or however many it kept happening. You know, and you just experienced that joy. I mean, uh, or, or the day that your child was born. I mean, you guys are, I mean, you're living that every second right now. Every second is new for you and you're sort of, walking through that and those are just some of the sweetest times you know as we watch our children grow you know that could have been a time of great joy or maybe when you watched your children finally pack up and move out you know i mean that might have just been like one of the greatest days in your life but we experience those kinds of things do we not there's a lot of laughter from that (laughs) but do we i mean we got we have times of just really really great joy, great happiness. You know, what it was like when maybe you became a, uh, when you became a, a grandparent. 
the times that I mentioned a minute ago, like the, the sweetest times that we've experienced Cornerstone, you know, you experienced those with me. So I know you've had some great times here. Uh, you've had some great times here as well. But, but just like me, not only have there been good times, you too have experienced some, some tough times. You know, you, just like me, you know, you, you know pain and you know disappointment because someone didn't keep a promise. Maybe somebody didn't keep a vow. You know what it's like to, to feel trapped, to feel hurt or lonely, to feel angry. Some of you know what it's like to pray and pray and pray and just feel like your prayers are just going unanswered. Some of you know and are wrestling with right now doubts in your faith. Some know what it's like to be battling addiction constantly and feeling like you can't ever get out of that grip. You too have encountered unimaginable loss and, and heartache. And the one thing that we can state about all of this with, with just absolute affirmity is that life is full of ups and downs. Are you with me? Life is absolutely full of, of its ups and downs. And so the question is, is how do we handle things like this? How do we handle the ebb and flow of life? Because you know how it is. One minute you're on top of the world and then the phone rings and it all can come crashing down. Well, the answer, of course, is to handle that through prayer. To handle all things through prayer. Not just pray when, when things are bad, because and unfortunately I think that's a lot of times what people do. I think a lot of times the only time we even think about God is when it sort of hits the fan. But what about when life is good? The way we, we deal with life, the way we deal with the ups and downs, the goods and bads, the ebbs and the flows, I think is the way to, to treat it with, with prayer. Now then, I will also say that you know prayer is not, and, and some of you will know what I'm talking about, prayer is not always easy. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I have mentioned to you before that I've had a time in my life, a season in my life, where prayer was just not, it was, it was a difficult thing. And at times, it, it still is. You know, as, I, um, as, as my brother Matt, after he passed away, it became increasingly difficult. I used to get up every single morning, and I had a prayer list, and I would sit down to that prayer list, and I was religiously devoted to going through that prayer list, but it got to where I just, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it, and I couldn't find the words, and so I had to find different ways of praying. And that's when I began to really lean on the Psalms and lean into those Psalms to provide me the language for prayer when I couldn't pray. You know, one of the most freeing things for me is when I met with a spiritual director who, I, after saying, hey, look, I, I can't pray. I'm struggling with this. I don't know what's going on with me. And he would just say, well, tell me what you think good prayer is. And so I would tell him what I would do. And he says, well, who says it's got to be like that, you know? You know, and he, he told me about something called breath prayers. Okay, and it's just breathe in. Hey, God, thanks for this. Breathe out. Hey, God, be with me when I'm doing that. God, thank you for blessing me with life. God, thanks for getting me through that. God, I'm so grateful for your love. God, I don't understand why that just happened. You know, just those simple little prayers. And it was so 
transformational for me because I realized I'd been doing that. I've been doing that since I was a kid. But for him, just say, hey, look, there's no set way. You know, here I am. I'm a minister. You know, but to say, there's no set way to do this. Just, and, and I've said this for years. Just talk to God. You know, and that's what it's about. You know? And that's what we're talking about today. This is what James is talking about. And so as, as I pick up this letter to, to preach from for, for the last time in this series, James is encouraging us. He's encouraging us to pray. And, and the way he, I love the way he, he brings us in, in verse 13. He says, are any of you suffering hardships, or yours might say trouble? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. And I like what James does when he says, are any of you suffering hardships? Because he cuts right through everything. He cuts through socioeconomic status. He cuts through class. He cuts through gender and race and who you are and are you important and are you not important. He cuts straight to the heart of the matter. And he says, is anybody suffering hardships? Okay, anybody not ever gone through something difficult in their life? Raise your hand if you never have. Never gone through something difficult. All of us. See what I'm saying? You see what James has done there? He's just drawn the whole world in with this one question. Are any of you suffering hardships? Yeah, of course we are. Here's what you do. You, you pray. You pray. Because all of us have. All of us have experienced something, whether it's uh, you know, any of the things that we just mentioned, or maybe it's, it's financial crisis. Uh, maybe we've had something go on with our, our career. Maybe we've experienced something going on in our lives that is physical and we're not sure how to deal with it. Or we're going through something that is just emotionally, it is just beating us down and beating us down. Or it's something spiritual that we feel like we're constantly under attack with. And we live in a world that is, is broken, and we know what that's like. We understand what it means to be lonely. Some people understand what it is like to be abused and, and, and feel like they don't matter. And so the answer to how do we deal with this is what? Pray. Bring it before God. Bring it before God Almighty. It reminds me of, of, of what Paul says in... Uh, in Philippians 4, 6, when he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know, now that's not easy to do, is it not? I mean, it's, it's difficult not to worry. We know that. It's difficult not to worry. But what Paul is writing, what James is saying, is look, don't worry about these things. Pray about these things. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever you are facing, bring it before God. Say, God, this is it. This is terrible. I don't know how to deal with this. I need your help. I need you to get involved in this situation because this is beyond, this is beyond anything that I can do. It says, tell God what you need and thank Him for all that, uh, thank Him for all that He has done. Brings to mind that First Thessalonians 5.17 that says, pray without what? Ceasing. That doesn't mean you know, you're praying 24 hours a day and we never take a break, but what does that mean? It means that we're, we're constantly in a mind of prayer, which makes me think, hey, breath prayers. That's praying without ceasing as you 
see some, something comes up or you think about somebody or someone, and just in that moment you stop and pray. It's the idea of, of always having that attitude or that, that, that constant communion, constant connection, constant conversation. There's your three alliterations of C there with God. You know, you're staying in continual conversation with him throughout our day. That's what he's, that's what he's talking about. And then uh, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, he's talking about Jesus as our high priest. He says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So then let us come boldly to the throne of grace, and there we will receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus has experienced the same sadness, the same abandonment, the same all of those things that we've experienced. He's experienced great times of joy as well. And as he goes before God, he is our high priest. He mediates between us and God. And so what the Hebrew writer is saying is, look, because he is our high priest, because he does understand our weaknesses, because he was a human being, you can have confidence as you go, for, uh, go before the throne room of God, before the throne of grace. So approach God boldly in prayer. Bring Him your problems. Bring Him your needs. And lay it out before Him. James says, do you have any trouble? Do you have any hardships? And the course is yes, James. I absolutely do. And his response is then pray. Pray. Now then he asks another question in 13. Are any of you happy? Well, of course. We've all experienced times of happiness that might not describe our state or your state right at the, the present moment. But there are probably some times, like we just tracked through a bunch of them, where you can look back on your life and say, yes, I've experienced times of, of happiness. And he says, okay, well, what should you do? You should sing praises. Which in a very real way, praises are another form of prayer to God. You know, we just, we just sang doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all ye creatures here below. Praise Him, all you heavenly hosts. Praise Him, Father, Son, is that with me? And Holy Ghost. You know, we sing that as a praise, but we're praying that to God as well. Blessed be your name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. You know, those are prayers that we're singing to God. Okay, so the thing is, when we're going through tough times, when we're going through good times, our response should always be to God. Okay? Tough times, pray. Good times, sing praises to God. We have to make sure that we don't forget God during the good times. Because a lot of times we do that, don't we? And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to forget about God during those good times. Now, verse 14, he does it again. Are any of you sick? Well, we know what that's like, don't we? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil 
in the name of the Lord. Now then, when he says, are you sick, and call the elders to come and pray for you, I'm not, I don't think he's talking about just you know, the common cold necessarily. But I think it's, it's some sort of ailment, something that, that is serious enough for you to say, well, the doctors aren't doing anything. I've tried everything. It's not working. I need something else. And so we call on the elders to come and have them anoint us and have them pray over us. Now then, my question is, well, first, let me, let me say this. We have got some people that have, have some serious things health-wise in here, right? Okay, I mean, we have people that deal with autoimmune diseases. We've had people that deal with cancer. We've had people that deal with major, major surgeries and all of these things. So my question is, James says, well, James says, call the elders, have them anoint you, pray over you. My question is, why aren't we doing this more? Does anybody have an answer for that? I mean, is it maybe because it's taboo a little bit? I mean... Because we live in modern America and it seems a little hokey. You see, there's nothing divine about the oil. The oil is just, I mean, it's just olive oil, basically. But what the anointing does is it, is it sets that person apart for, for ministry of the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so when we, we do this, it's this, this rich, symbolic act. And that's what it's talking about. And so I would encourage you that if you are facing something serious, some sickness, some whatever it might be, that you call on our elders and ask them to, to anoint you, to pray for you. Now then he goes on in verse 15, and he says, Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Now, I'm going to tell you that I have wrestled with this verse. And I have struggled with this verse this week. And I think we should do that. I think we should wrestle with Scripture, should we not? Because to wrestle with it means to think about it critically. It means to evaluate it. To, to talk to God about it and be in conversation about it and when i read verse 15 i'm struggling with that verse I'm, I'm struggling with it even now as i'm up here talking about it but i think that's what we do as a community of believers we wrestle with scripture and we let it inform us now then and and, and to be honest this is a little bit there's a little bit of controversy that kind of surrounds this text now then when you approach it straight up it says basically such a prayer offered in faith, will heal the sick, and the Lord will, will make you well. And so at first glance, when you first go through that, I mean, that sort of sounds like, hey, there is the formula for healing. You know? I mean, that's what it, that's what it sounds like. But I want to caution us against that. Because what that really sounds like is if I do this step, this step, this step, and this step, then it's all good. And it's all going to be healed. And in some sense, that kind of takes away our, our trust in God to do this because if I can just hit the right steps. So I don't think it is so much about a, a formula. And I don't think it is so much a, a blanket statement on, on, on healing or prayer. 
Now, there are some that say, well, what this is talking about, because they've wrestled with this as well and have trouble coming to an understanding. So there are some that say, well, what this is talking about, this is talking about those who are are spiritually sick. Okay, we need to be praying for the spiritually sick. And yes, that's true. We need to pray for, because all of us, you know, we have spiritual sickness in our life, do we not? And we need prayers, and we need our, our, our shepherds praying over it. But I'm not sure that that's even... 100% what it's about because there's just too many times, too many stories in Scripture that you read of people who were sick and people were praying for them and praying over them. So I think it is talking about about physical sickness as well. Well, then others have said, well, what this is talking about is it's talking about a sickness that results from from sin. Well, that, that certainly has merit as well because we know that certain people make, you know, have made uh, choices in their life, and those choices have had consequences, and those consequences can lead and can lead to things like like sickness and and such. And that's that's got a a, a little bit of of possibility to it. But we also have to acknowledge that not all sin is a direct result of, or not all sickness is a direct result of sin. You know, I mean, we we live in a in a broken world. Okay. So what is it about? It's tough because it says such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will, will make you well. Now, and we were, this series is called Real, so I think we have to have real conversation about, about what is, is, is going on here. It's tough for me because... We all know people who we have prayed for and we've seen them get well, right? Yes or no? I mean, recently we have prayed for a preemie, a 27-week-old preemie, and we're praying for that child and we're seeing that child grow and, 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 and develop and, and get better, right? On the other side of that coin, we have also prayed for people, prayed for them to get well, and we've watched it not happen, right? January 18th, 2015. You know why that day sticks out in my mind? Because that's the day that we did that. That's the day where we as a church came together and we prayed to God for him to heal George. You remember that? And so we called out on the name of God and we prayed. And as soon as church was over, Tommy and Jeffrey and I, we went to the hospital and we anointed George and we prayed. And George died that afternoon. Do you remember that? That's why this verse is tough for me. You know, and I imagine that's why it's tough for you. And so that's why, this is why we have to wrestle with Scripture. This is why we have to think it through and we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us and, and, and lead us. And so when I think about that verse and I think about George, then I say, okay, well, I mean, okay, so it's obviously there's, there's not a formula here. It's not, a, not just, a, just a cure-all. Did George lack faith? Certainly not. If you visited George on those last days in the hospital, what was he doing? He was evangelizing to everybody in there. 
that George had deep faith that he was going to be healed. And that's just who George was. But here's the thing. This passage is not about the faith of the sick person. If you read it and look close, you realize it's not about the faith of the sick person. So did, did we lack faith? Did Tommy and Jeffrey and I lack faith as we went to the hospital and anointed and, 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 and prayed for George? I don't think so. We prayed in, we prayed in faith, and, and that is what it's about. It's about the, the elders having a, a deep faith. But that doesn't always mean that things are going to go the way we want them to, right? So what is it about? Well, it's about anointing prayer. But it's prayer that is offered in faith. And I think what this ultimately comes down to is it's about trusting that God knows best. Does that make sense? It's about trusting that God understands things that we have no idea about. And that God knows better than we do about things. And ultimately, I think healing comes down to God's will. And so the point that I want to make this morning is simply this, is that when it comes to real prayer, real prayer trusts God no matter what the circumstances are. Real prayer trusts God in the good times. And real prayer is about trusting God in times of sorrow. And isn't that ultimately what following God is about anyway? About trust? If we have all of the answers, that's not faith. Trusting God is God saying, okay, here's the ledge, follow me, and we take a step anyway. We don't know. God leading us somewhere that we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but God, I'm going to trust you with this. Which means that we need to be in conversation with God about what's going on in our lives, yes or no? Real prayer says, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what these circumstances are. I'm going to trust you in the greatest moments of my life, but God, in these tough moments, in these times that I don't understand, in these moments where, my, where, where, where I struggle and I, I don't know exactly what is happening, God, I'm still I'm going to trust you because I know that you, God, you have my best interest in mind and you understand things that I could not possibly grasp. And that's what I think this is about. I think it's about trusting deep, deep trust in God. Now that's not easy, right? But that, that is real. That's what real prayer, real faith, real wisdom, that's what it's about, about trusting in God. And so it's trusting that God knows best and that God is going to, to do what is in the best interest of His people. 
And would any of us pull George away from where he is right now? I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull anybody from the presence of God. I want to be in the presence of God with those people. Don't you? There's your real hope. That we're in the presence of God with other believers who have gone on before us. But that takes real trust. Real faith. Real prayer. It's not an easy thing to follow God. It's not an easy thing to, to, to read Scripture. People will say all the time, oh yeah, the Bible is so easy. No, it's not. This is tough stuff. And it, it requires us to think. It requires us to pray. It requires us to dig in deep and say, God, what are you trying to show me here? Where are you trying to lead me? Where are you trying to take me? What are you trying to open up for me? And every time we take a step with God when we don't understand it, He's growing us. He's maturing us. He's taking us somewhere. He's helping to transform and shape us into, into who He wants us to be and the person that He can use for His glory. That's real prayer. Verse 16, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results, and we know this. But along with that idea of praying is the idea of, of confessing our sins to one another. You know, we're uh, talking on Wednesday night in, in my class, People of Influence. Uh, we're talking about accountability. And accountability partners and how important that is for, uh, for believers to have in our lives for, for lots of reasons. One of the, the, the greatest benefits of having an accountability partner is being able to be open and honest with that person. You know, honest with the, the struggles that, that we have and being able to, to confess those things to them because you know as well as I do, it is tough to have some stuff going on in your life and not have anybody to talk to about it. Yes or no? That's tough. We need to, as followers of Christ, we need to confess our sins to one another. Yes or no? Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it helps us. Number one, when, when we confess, it's like, hey, okay, well, that person struggles too. Well, if they're confessing, then I can confess. You know what happens every time I find somebody who's struggling with something that I thought I was the only one? You know what that does? It draws me closer to that person. Isn't that funny how that works? I think that's how the kingdom of God works. That it draws us together and then, then we're able to, to, to bear one another's burdens because it's like, man, somebody understands what it is that I'm going through. They understand those struggles. And so when we're confessing our sins to one another... Man, there's that bond, there's that trust that, that develops there. Well, then finally, in the last couple of verses, James says, Elijah 
was as human as we are, yet when he prayed that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to, to yield its crops. So he closes out this, this section on prayer with Elijah. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Elijah? I mean, Elijah's great man of God. He did these incredible things. He witnessed these powerful, mighty works of God. And you're, like, you know, you're talking about common things that I understand and things that I can relate to. And then you throw Elijah in there? How am I supposed to relate to Elijah? Well, did you notice what it said in verse 17? That Elijah was human as we are. Elijah was just a man of flesh and blood. Just like we are people of, of flesh and blood. And God hears the prayers. God hears the prayers of his, of his children. And so it reminds us to turn to, turn to God. So as James is bringing this in, he's already drawn us in by asking, do we have times of trouble? Do we have times of joy? And the answer to, to both of those questions is a huge resounding yes. Because we've all experienced those things. We know what it's like to feel alone and, and broken and, and unworthy and if you find yourself that way, turn to Jesus, who is your mediator, who is your friend, who is your high priest, who goes before God, who allows us to come before God boldly with the things that are going on in our life. Trust Jesus with your life. Are you sick physically? Are you sick emotionally, uh, mentally, spiritually? How do we handle those things? We call on our shepherds and we ask them to anoint and pray over us. And our shepherds are faithful men. And when they offer prayers in faith, they have complete trust in God and complete trust in God's will. Do we have sins that we deal with in our lives? Yeah, every one of us do. James's answer is confess them. Talk to somebody. Share what's going on in your lives and pray for one another. You know, that confession, it reminds me of Acts 3.19. Uh, it's, it's confession and, and it's talking about repentance and it says that repentance then brings times of refreshing from the Lord. That's what it brings when we turn our lives, when we turn our lives back to God. And so this is how we pray. How we pray must be real. Real prayer means I trust God with every single circumstance of my life. Even the ones that I don't understand even the ones that don't go the way that I think they should go. And that's when it's really tough, is it not? But that's what he's calling us to. Complete 
trust, complete faith in God. That's real faith. Let's pray together.